Yes, hello. I am James Rowlands, and today it's the Dublin R four seven nine. It's AEW Double or Nothing twenty twenty three. But I'm not alone. I have the pleasure to be joined by the entire Dublin R team. Up first by my side for every WWE and AEW show is, of course, the fantastic Jaxie Scarlett. How's it going? Hello, hello. Welcome back, everyone. Back at it again with another AEW podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, can I say, before we start here, somehow on the last show that we did, because we've been doing predictions, as everybody who's been following this show knows, uh, the NXT Battleground, somehow, yeah. and I don't know how, Jaxie, not only did you win, but you got a perfect <laughs> score for NXT. I, I, what? <laughs> Brilliant. Amazing. <laughs> um, again, not even watching these shows myself, um, and I've managed to do a second round of, um, you know, Beating your ass at NXT. I think this is going to become a regular thing, James. Well, weirdly enough, you are going for free for free today. And can I say, on behalf of the team, what a bitch. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> hey, listen. I mean, James, no, she, she specifically talking to you. I won too, by the way. So. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, getting... <laughs> I've not even introduced him yet and he's talking about it. do you know what I mean like what... <laughs> I come back James don't ruin it <laughs> oh my god so yeah Jax is going for free for free and as he uh, just mentioned himself a bit egotistical on my part it is our resident <laughs> NXT expert and New Japan deity it is Monty you did win Battleground are you as confident today I'm never confident with TK is the booker. Never. First of all, I don't, I don't, no, I'm not, I'm never confident in Tony Khan's booking. I also, uh, honestly, I have so many episodes of AEW in my mind that just kind of blends together at this point. Uh, it's just, it's a blur sometimes when I'm picking. I'm just, I'm, I, sometimes I'm picking with my heart. Sometimes I'm picking with, ah, that's the right thing to do. But you never really know with AEW, man. But, Hey, I'm, you know, who knows? I may pull it off. Who never, you never know. You never know. Sometimes I surprise myself. Well, last but by no means least, and I got to say, I, I I feel for her because uh, her and I haven't won out of the uh, other two events so far, and she can add Noam Dar to her AJ Styles shit list. But uh, I got a little bit of advice. I've got something to tell you. <laughs> I've actually got something to say. I'm going to put this dream in motion. I'm going to let nothing stand in my way. Do you know, Gina, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. We're going to get ourselves across the river. That's the price we're willing to pay. We're going to make people stand and deliver, and we're going to give love in the old-fashioned way because when the going gets tough, the tough get going, and when the going gets rough, the tough get rough. It is Gina. How you doing? <laughs> what did you do, team? How's it going? Um, to be honest, I'm not really bothered about my NXT score because I knew I was, I knew it wasn't going to be great anyway because I just don't watch it. But now I'm a little bit, I'm getting a little bit sour that I'm not doing well. So well, you could always yeah, you could always think... fluke it like Jaxie. I mean, <laughs> I didn't know, yeah, I just have to let the G site intuition take over. <laughs> <laughs> something's got to be done uh, hopefully you or I can get a victory 
Uh, so, you know, this is what we're hoping. But before we start Double or Nothing, we have had some sad news, uh, which is, of course, the Iron Sheik has passed away at the age of 81. Uh, and anybody, even if it wasn't your generation, should know who the Iron Sheik is. Of course, former WWF champion, as he would call it uh, himself, uh, a huge figure in professional wrestling uh, when it came to being a hill uh, as it was, or even just the kind of tenure that he had. Uh, and I would say one of the best things the Iron Sheik ever did uh, and still kept it going was his hatred for Hulk Hogan. And can I read some tweets from Iron Sheik? Happy Thanksgiving, everyone, except Ho the Hulk Hogan, which was 26th of November 2020. Hulk Hogan may have been a dumb son of a bitch in the ring, but outside the ring, he's also a dumb son of a bitch. Uh, Hulk Hogan, you are worse than airport tuna sandwich. And finally, even on the 5th of June 2023, fuck Hogan. Iron Sheik, you will be missed. And Monty, he is a true... The word gets legend. Banned, the word gets bounced <laughs> around too much, Monty. But he is a true legend. Yeah, man. He transcends pro wrestling, too. You know, people who don't know much about wrestling, but he's, like, right up there with those names, like you mentioned, of guys that you can just mention to a regular person sometimes, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, I know the Iron Sheik. I remember the Sheik. You know, my, my grandfather who mocks wrestling, professional wrestling, every chance he gets, and I love him for it because I, I love to go back and forth with him. I think his, 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 the way he mocked pro wrestling kind of made me love it even more. But besides that, he was also, he was even not, not like taken aback, but he was like affected because he was like, oh man, you know, I remember the Iron Sheik. You know, that, you know, that was back when he enjoyed professional wrestling a little bit more uh, back, in his, back in the day, even though he was a grown man by that time. He's, everyone loves the Iron Sheik. Like, I just remember the iconic workouts he used to do uh, back in the day. Uh, some of the stories outside of the ring that, you know, if we, we just you can go forever explaining the legend of the Iron Sheik and just uh, how much how great he was as a not only as a heel back in the day, but, you know, that as a matter of fact, that, that mold of that foreign heel in America that, that they just repainted and did over and over with everyone no matter where you're from, if you're not American, everybody pretty much had a gimmick where they was that foreign here taking on the American uh, baby face. And that's what the Iron Sheik was. He, he, uh, you know, he, he really put that to me, especially for somebody who had to look back to kind of watch a lot of his stuff in his prime. You know, he put that on the map for me, that foreign heel, that, you know, that menace who, you know, like you said, became world champions, uh, a legend. One of the greatest, like you said, you just read off those tweets. One of the greatest Twitter accounts ever. Like I used, I just, I used to enjoy every every other day waking up and just seeing my, you know, it seemed like a daily tweet of F Hulk Hogan. Uh, people in my community, if you are, you know, black, we 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 basically just do like a salute of just keeping that. We want to keep that alive. I know random accounts that I follow just still saying, you know, rest in peace, Sheik and fuck Hulk Hogan. So you know, it's just. <laughs> That's just how it goes now. We're going to keep that alive forever. And no matter if it was him, you know, doing the gimmick or not, we always love the Sheik for keeping, you know, that old school wrestling feeling alive and just being, like you said, an absolute legend. And you know that he meant every single one of those tweets, considering every single one of them were in capital letters. I've never heard <laughs> it. 
just to get his point across, you know? This is the thing about the Iron Sheik as well, showing that he's a true company man, because when he had to drop the title to Hulk Hogan uh, back in 84, he was offered 100 grand and even more to break the leg of Hogan and basically walk away from it all. And the company man decided to do the job, even though he disliked the man, he did what was best. Watch his uh, Hall of Fame speech as well. Like, anytime he had a chance right. to speak, like <laughs> Iron Sheik uh, was like a, an absolute legend. Well, and, I, and I think there's... <laughs> And I think no better word to say R.I.P. Iron Sheik and indeed fuck Hulk Hogan. So it's time for AEW Double or Nothing 2023. Then Las Vegas, Nevada, May 28th. Uh, 28th. We've got the buy-in with Rene Paquette, Paul White, Stokely Hathaway, Kazim, the annoying RJ City. You've got everybody. JR interviewed Don Callis, who called Kenny a cancer. Nice. Arn Anson confirms he's bringing a gun to ringside. Nice. JR made his entrance. At least he's looking happy. Have you noticed how happy JR is now, these guys? You know, like, always that smile on his face coming to work. The conference table is at ringside. And our first match is the Hardys and Hook versus Ethan Page and the Guns. And the stipulation of the Hill lose, the Hardys win Ethan Page contract. Monty, I spoke to you about this before. What is it with the Americans and ownership on people? And contract. Why are we still seeing this in wrestling in 2023? Yeah, like, I don't know. It, also, it's a it's seemed to be a, a real AEW thing too. Like, the, like they've done this, especially with Matt Hardy. It's like they've done this like three or four different times. Like you said, where they just in different. I, I don't get it. I don't. Like you said, I would like to say I could do an easy joke of with our country's history is just an American thing at this point. But hey, I, honestly, it's outdated, and I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand why we have so much servitude going on, and uh, and like I said, it's the fact that I can think of two or three different uh, storylines from the same promotion, and 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 they've only been around since 2019. <laughs> yeah, it's like I don't understand why we keep going to this. But hey, you know, uh, when you don't have anything to do, uh, just make someone own another wrestler. It's got it's compelling to someone, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Hardys are kinky, but even with the Hardys here, you couldn't make up for the whole story <laughs> and the match that didn't have much of interest. Uh, but Jeff did draw a big pop, though. They did draw The Hardys always get a pop. Yeah, they're always going to really say, get a with pop. Jeff's written as well, everyone was anticipating this match just yeah. because they wanted to see his first full match, um, like fully yeah. matched. Yeah, so I, I think there was a lot of interest. I think there's just that certain nostalgia as well that hits whenever you hear the Hardy's music. That um, music, it yeah. really just takes you back to Attitude Era days, you know. Um, and those were some of the highlights, especially for me and uh, myself and Gina, um, who really kind of got interesting thanks to the Hardy's. So there was a feel good moment watching them come out to the ring and everything, you know. Yeah, we're out there. Storyline just... be damned. They're going to get a reaction. Yeah, it's just a shame <laughs> they are the way they are now as well, you know. And again, it was a struggle to get the fans to invest in the action. I mean, Hook did look good. But again, you're going, oh, yeah, Hook. I remember him. <laughs> like He was being used at <laughs> right. the time. Uh, good to he, see you. Yeah, he put Paige out with a red rum to score the win. Jeff Hardy did crash a burn attempting to whisper in the ring. You're never sure if it's like a spotly planned or it's just Jeff being Jeff. Uh, Jaxie, what did you think of that matchup starts off? Um, 
you know, I think it did what it needed to do. I think in terms of the storyline, I can understand why they put they would put something like this on the buy-in. Um, you know, it's easily a match that could have been put together on like a dynamite or rampage as well though so i didn't think too much of it but like you know it was it was a crowd warmer you know especially kind of start uh, getting the crowd started uh with with the whole entire show uh, is a bit unfortunate um with that move with jeff i felt um you know it, it could have even been seen as like you know sort of first match uh back nerves you know um we, we've seen every wrestler have those um i i, I didn't really like how that the reaction that this got or this stemmed on Twitter, um, this move, this move, this encounter, you know, none of us were there. None of us are Jeff. So none of us can actually really determine whether or not it was, you know, first match back nerves, um, you know, maybe something else uh, that, that caused it, you know, just a random slip up, anything that it, it could have caused it. Um, but, you know, just to see so many tweets being like, Jeff shouldn't have come back or, um, yeah, Jeff needs to leave or something like that after one slip up, like, guys, come on, can we calm, can we calm down on this judgment? You know, we are not wrestlers ourselves. We do not go through this every day, but just remember that this is live. If this happens live, mm-hmm. it's not like, you know, they, they've got more than one shot at doing those chances. So I think sometimes social media can just be so harsh on someone just returning. It's like, kind of calm down. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it didn't, it didn't uh, take away fully from the match because there there wasn't that much important importance behind it apart from obviously Ethan Page and his contract um so yeah I just thought it was just um unnecessary to be bashing on Jeff on this minor mistake yeah especially when he should have retired after this match with Randy Orton at Hell in the Cell but anyway <laughs> I mean personally I would have said um you know it's a thing but you know that's just me Oh, yeah, 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 I hear you. All right, so, uh, Jaxie, start us off and watch the score out of five. Um, I, I, gave, I gave this a 3.5. Uh, I, I think that was being really nice. Yeah, you are being really nice about that. Uh, Monty, what about you? What are your thoughts and score? Yeah, uh, I agree. Like I said, it was solid enough as far as a kickoff goal. And, um, you know, doing, like you said, getting the crowd. I can't say it actually got the crowd pumped because you made a good point. The crowd wasn't as into it as you would expect. And uh, I've seen them definitely put on way better uh, matches in the buy-in slot. You know, uh, so, you know, uh, the, I, I definitely like Ishii and, King, and Kingston from last year's Forbidden Door come to mind, stuff like that. Ended up on the buy-in when you got a match like this. It's like, ah, that ain't really the same level. But. Uh, to talk about that spot, Matt Hardy claimed that was a part of the match. They were trying to get him to sell his leg, so he that's why he missed the spot. I don't know. Like you said, who knows what's, what's true with that. He could just be trying to save Jeff. Uh, but at, I will take him for his word on that. And I think a lot of that reaction about Jeff is because Jeff is a lot of people's childhood hero, and it, it just seeing him mess up the whisper in the wind probably just is something that just made people be like, okay, yeah. No, nah, it's time to go back. You need to go. You need to retire yeah. or whatever people are thinking. And that's not, I, like you said, they, you're 100% right. It's live. Things happen. So they, they definitely can calm down. But at the same time, I think it's coming from a place of love. We don't ever want to see you looking like you can't do it anymore. And I think that's yeah. that's the thing I, I think a lot of people are saying, even if they are expressing it in a messed up way. But uh, the match itself, I think I only gave it three. And Gina, what about you? Yeah, I mean, again, for me, 
I'm going to be truly honest here, and this is not to be disrespectful to any of the wrestlers, but I truly can't remember the match now. Um, so that's clear on the only thing that I do remember is that Jeff did mess up that whisper in the wind. But again, uh, I agree with my sister, you know, wrestlers make mistakes. And I can tell you now, if I was a wrestler, I probably would make loads of mistakes live as well. Um, so people just need to stop being harsh. Like if you were on live TV, you will mess up at some point. You most likely will. And it's like you wouldn't want the internet to bash on you for that small little mistake. So definitely feel feel that. But I also uh, am a little bit curious. Like, is Jeff truly ready to be back, or should he just should it is it best now for him to just train people backstage and just be that you know helping yeah. hand backstage? Um, but I still enjoyed the match, at, and I gave it a three point a three point five as well. Yeah, I gave it a three and a half just because of, you know, let's not forget about Hook. Uh, predictions, my God, we had quite a change in scores. So after Night of Champions, and of course, uh, Battleground as well, W Prediction League, I'm on three with Monty and Gina on two, Jaxie on one. The bonus league now, Jaxie was so far behind, she is now level with Gina on 11 points. And Monty is level with me on 14. So I'm hoping no perfect scores today. AEW, Gina Jackson on zero. And me and Monty with the one point. And we start off with this show. We all went to faces, so we're all on one. Uh, and then we start the main show. Top half, only arena was closed. I mean, I am going to rag on this crowd. But I think what I'm going to do is like, compare it. So if I shit on this Las Vegas crowd, and then they can go at the Money in the Bank crowd that I'm in, and we'll see which one's better. Um, but I mean, Jaxie, is this a worrying <laughs> sign for double uh, for AEW? Because Double or Nothing, you know, three or four years ago was sold out to the rafters. Is this just a stuck? You know, what is this a worrying sign, or is this just because you know the card itself wasn't that interesting? Um, it's, it's really it's a difficult one to kind of determine, really, because um, I don't. As I can, can, I can't recall like anything, any other, any other important um, events happening uh, on on that day. I mean, Monty, do correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't know too many, you know, American holidays or events. But I'm pretty sure there wasn't any other sort of no. big event on uh, that would lead to you know people missing it, it's like the Super Bowl, for example. You know. Um, no, no, they, no, no, nothing they, to that, nothing to that extent. Just NXT was going on, but that was in Boston, so yeah, nothing to that extent. So uh, yeah, I don't know. It it could be a mixture. I would say uh, it could have been a mixture of the match card. We we were sort of saying um, early on on the previous podcast, um, our predictions for this one, we were saying that it felt like some of the matches were really rushed to, to you know, the, some stories weren't weren't really sort of like um, coherent enough to maybe entice people's interest um, in maybe investing it in watching this or or just, you know, thinking to themselves, oh, this is something I, I can watch at home rather than going out live to see. Um, yeah, it's a really difficult one. I can't really tell whether or not it is just from maybe just bad timing um, or, or whether or not it's just a lack of interest of the card. Well, what's worrying me as well is the kind of small, smaller details. It's like when the commentary says Jericho and Adam Cole will start the show and then they actually start with a battle royal and you're going, well, who gave them that information then? Why Why is that being said? Yeah. You know, it's just, it doesn't... That's confusing. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think 
lost it at first and was thinking to myself, I'm pretty sure they they announced Chris Jericho and Adam Cole first. And then you just like see everyone else coming out for the Battle Royal. So it, it was confusing. I felt like they were trying to like, you know, just play with our minds a little bit. <laughs> You're going to the Lumberjacks. It's a Lumberjack match, you know, we didn't know about it. But um, yeah. <laughs> we did see Martha Hart as well with Renee announcing the Owen Hart Foundation tournament. And Tony Khan reminds me of Michael Jackson. <laughs> like That is the only person that I've seen be so kind of awkward in real life. The, the kind of the like, mannerisms. What was with that hat? I, I, again, who knows? <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. He looked like a child that was cosplaying as Indiana Jones um, getting ready to go trick-or-treating or something. It was just, I was so confused. (laughs) (laughs) He just looked so stupid like he was playing By the way, James, I hope that should be the only sentence you ever put Tony Khan next to Michael Jackson in. I just want to get that off. I see what you're saying. He's very awkward. He's very awkward. a baby, he'd hang out the window. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, right. That, yeah, 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 yeah. Kind of, yeah. 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 Every yeah. time he's on camera, I wonder how the hell he hasn't gotten any better with being on camera. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's getting worse. I feel like he's getting worse. Right. It's, he's getting more awkward to look at. It feels like when he's looking at the camera, it feels like he's staring into your soul or something. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Every time he makes an announcement, I'm creeped he, out. Does he not like, watch himself back? Does he not watch himself back though, and like see himself and be like, "Whoa, okay, maybe I'm a bit too much well, there." Okay, normal. next time. He's been replaced by like, a We're going to find that AI has taken over already <laughs> in Tony. <Khan. laughs> we all should have known, really. Uh, and then, like I said, we get the entrance for the Battle Royal, and I'm thinking, "Well, 15 minutes to go, and, and the entrances." And yeah, there was a lot of entrances. <laughs> so if you sat for all them, fair play. But the main show, actual opening promo for the pay per view, and fireworks. Where I can't remember the last time an actual opening promo for the show. Uh, and then the twenty man blackjack battle royal for the AW International Championship. Right, deep breath here because we've got Chuck Taylor, Trent Barretta, Ari Davari, Tony Nice, Lee Moriarty, Big Bill, Commander, Kip Sabin, Butcher, Blade, Switchblade, Jay White, Rock Hard Juice, Robinson, Dustin Rose, Keith Lee, Absolute Ricky Starts, Penta, Ray Phoenix, Bandido, Swerve Strickton, Machine Brian Cage, and Orange Cassidy, or as I like to call them, the cast of Rampage. But anyway, we do get several competitors <laughs> opted to fight on the floor, apparently unfamiliar with the rules of a battle royal. You don't think AEW have it often enough to realise what they're going to do. Strickland and the Cage watch intently from the ramp. Swerve will enter the match much later and target Keith Lee. Remember that feud, everybody? Hey, That happened, what, a year ago now, was it? Anyway, we have recent feud, absolute. Ricky Starks eliminated Jay White, get, gaining a measure of revenge and interestingly enough, Gina's pick taking out Jaxie's. I'm not going to cause any shit, but I'm just, you know, stating fact as it was. The Bullet Club goal did uh, get revenge on Absolute. The Hills answered by pulling them uh, to the floor and sent them to the guardrail. We had Cassie and Strickland, which they brought the action and drama in the closing minutes with exchanges that culminated with Orange Cassidy outlast the swerve to retain the title. You have to think, why not just have a swerve versus Orange Cassidy match instead? But hey, um, Gina, what do you think of this battle royal? It was a battle royal. 
Um, I, I'm not positive about this, and it's not because Ricky didn't win. I'm just, I'm not gonna lie, guys. I'm really, uh, I'm really just not feeling OC anymore. I'm, I'm getting over him a little bit, and I, I'm just. I don't understand how he still managed to retain out of all the people that was in this match. I can't believe he still managed to retain it. Honestly, um, it should, like you said, I feel like it should have more just been a singles match for OC against where you touched on the different, um, the different uh, feuds that we had within this battle royale. Again, they're kind of touching back on the Keith Lee and Swerve. Why? Like I thought, we had ended that. Like again, it just feels like all these, all the, all these wrestlers are in repeated cycles right now. That's what it sounds like to me, and I, I don't know if I'm feeling it. And I don't think it worked for me for this battle royale. The only thing that did work, and that was interesting, is the current feud between Jay White and Ricky Starks. And that's not because I have a biased opinion for Ricky. It's just because there's a lot of eyes on Jay White right now so there's a lot of heat around him and whoever he's going to be infused with so to be honest I was more interested in that feud than I was who was going to win this bloody belt so um, I, I, I'm sorry to sound so negative about it and I'm not condoning OC's wrestling talent or anything like that I'm just over him I really am so yeah that's how I felt what would you score the match god uh, I'll, I'll I'll give it three and three quarters. But, but, I, I just mean, wasn't keen. Yeah, I could, I could, I could tell. <laughs> uh, Jaxie, <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? I mean, because like with Orange Cassidy, maybe the way to freshen up Orange Cassidy uh, is to bring his cousin into it, all right? I was thinking Big Bill in jeans looks like he could be the cousin of Orange Cassidy, right? And then you call Big Bill, maybe call him Big Cass. I've got a feeling that could work. I think that name could. Uh, I mean, Jaxie, what are your thoughts on Orange Cassidy? I mean, that, that's, quite a, that's quite a clever way of marketing it. I think that, that could work in that sense. The issue is, is that Orange Cassidy and Big Cass don't have any mic skills. Or if they do, they hardly use them. So you still ultimately need a mouthpiece for them. I think this is ultimately where things are a little bit slacking. And I know what my sister means. I think she's more bored um, in terms of, for me, as much as we've seen Orange Cassidy defend this international championship belt, it's also like the matches have not really felt like, you know, the, 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 uh, is a hard way to describe it because I'm not trying to actually disrespect any of the wrestlers that have been involved or have had, uh, you know, title defense. Orange Cassidy's had title defenses against. Um, I think it's just right now it's slacking a little bit. You know, we hear that this is an international championship, but like we're really only seeing it on American soil. Whereas, like in my opinion, when Pac had it before Orange Cassidy, we were hearing about his matches back over in the UK. He was having matches. Um, some, I swear in Japan somewhere, you know, in Canada and other places. Like, I just feel ultimately that the title run really hasn't done much to affect Orange Cassidy's standing within wrestling. I mean, I don't, th- I don't think the title is complimenting him well. I think it's kind of just like I'm a little bit bored of him as a champion now. Like, I think he can still do other stuff and they'll be just as entertaining. But I, I don't know. I don't. For some reason, I don't feel like 
him as the champion is is ultimately working as well as I felt like it had worked when when Pac um just uh had 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 it. I I feel like I remember a lot more of Pac's title defenses than I do Orange Cassidy's, and Orange Cassidy's had more. Yeah, you know, so um, yeah. Yeah, I would agree. There. What would you score? Uh, I gave this a three and a half. Three, three point five. Three and a half. Uh, I mean, I don't mind Jones Cassidy. He's been booked a bit like John Cena, I suppose. I mean, Monty, do you think that's the issue? It's the the booking around him as well. It's the booking. It's def. It's definitely the booking, and it's the quantity of it. It's the fact that every week you're guaranteed to see some poor soul come out here, and and like I said, I give a shot at Orange Cassidy. Like I think everyone at this point knows that Orange Cassidy on these regular TV dances. Until, by the way, this match was swerved that I just seen with Dynamite, by the way. They killed that. Loved every second of that. And I want to say, by the way, that Orange Cassidy, uh, the, mm. the quality of those matches, if you just watch them, they're great. He's been killing it. He's been doing his job. It's the fact that every week, he ever since he's had this belt, you have you know that this is coming. And he has like 23 defenses in barely 300 days. Or even, I don't even know if he's that, that close to 300 days. But that's what I'm saying. He has 23 defenses. Roman Reigns is on is at like 29, 28, and he's had his belt three years. And I say some people trying to make the point that oh, well, Roman, look at that, Orange Cassidy's already caught up with him. But it's a way you can do too much of it. If you think Roman is fighting too less, or MJF is fighting too less, well, it is a such thing as doing a little bit too much, and it, and the formula just being the same, all same. Oh, yes, I love that Orange Cassidy will take on any challenge that comes, but there's no story attached to most of these challenges. So the investment level is down. Yeah, yeah. We oh yeah, he's a great wrestler. You guys know Orange Cassidy is a great wrestler. So you put him in there with another good wrestler, yes, the matches are gonna be fine. But when you have nothing else to latch on to, then you guys are gonna get bored. It's just simple as that. So uh I think that makes a lot of sense when you think about that. Uh and sometimes you have to pick your spot. Sometimes you have to have a story. The international championship, it shouldn't be called the international championship. That should be the, TN, uh, the TNT or the male version of the TBS title because it's on TV every week. Why I haven't seen, I don't even know where the hell Wardlow be at most of the time. And maybe every now and then he do a, a, a promo backstage or something or he do have a squash match on Rampage. Or I don't even know if I've got the right TNT champion. That's how bad it gets when we talk about that belt, and that's supposed to be your television title. Orange Cassidy is your television champion at this point since he's on TV every week defending the belt against whoever, just insert name here. And again, that's been the problem. You don't have a feud to latch on to. Orange Cassidy has been at his best in AEW when he had a Jericho, when he had people, uh, a pop for it, like you just mentioned, to latch on to and have a a heel to really try to take him out. And until they give him a legit story, everyone is just going to... You know, be like, oh, that was another great match, Orange Cassidy, and then you just move on, and you don't even remember who the hell he just fought three weeks ago. So, again, uh, the Battle Royal, in my opinion, got better, and it really got better towards the end there with Swerve and Orange Cassidy's interaction. Like you said, you almost just wanted a match between them two, and we end up getting that, thankfully. But I love that thing. I love the ending. That's the only reason why I think I gave it three and a half stars. I really love the ending, where you just kind of <laughs> keep Swerve off, and it's just like, ah, okay, that, that was cool. That was kind of cool. But yeah, I understand exactly what you guys are saying, but I think that has a lot to do with the booking, which is the same thing every week, pretty much since he's won the title. The thing is as well, and I will, I will admit that Monty articulated that so perfectly. So that's what I was trying to articulate earlier. It's not that I have a problem with Orange Cassidy. 
but his story is so stagnant. And as you say, all of his matches just haven't had really any storyline basis to it. So it's just kind of made those matches not really feel like the caliber title match should be should really feel at. So that's a perfect description, Monty. The thing is as well, it's the thing is as well, the booking and making a wrestler just seem like another guy. Again, we could spend an hour talking about AEW, but like someone like Jay White shouldn't just be thrown into a battle royal. I know we've got story of Ricky Starks, but just put that on the show then, you know, or put that on the dynamite beforehand. There's so many wasted kind of opportunities because they're trying to cram so many people in rather than just focus on one story. Uh, I gave it 3.95, like, because of the ending, like you said, was good. Predictions, Monty and I went for Orange Cassidy. Jackson went for Jay White. Jeannie went for Starks. So at the moment, Jay and Monty on two. Jackson, Gina on one. We then get the unsanctioned match, Adam Cole versus Chris Jericho. And, of course, the connects the two of them, Sabu, obviously. He made his presence felt early, wiping <laughs> out members of the Jericho Appreciation Society in a driving daddy magic through a table. The brawl also featured Roderick Strong. Well, you do pay him, I suppose. They headed to the back and left Cole and Jericho to have their match. We see a far extinguisher. Probably did more action uh, than Chris Jericho in some certain parts of this matchup. Uh, the crowd kind of got into it. Brit Breaker hit the wing and unloaded on Jericho with a kendo stick. Caused retribution for the assault she suffered at the hands of the outcast. Saray attempted to make the save for the Ocho. She suffered the same fate. Cole then pummeled Jericho late, pounding away at the hill, who fails to defend himself. Aubrey Edwards called for Bell and referee stoppage. Now, Monty, I'm going to come to you because I watched this match after Leah Dragunov versus Dijak. And this match, this finish made me... Oh, that's, I, I that's like, not fair. No, I was like, fuck this match. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. It, it was tough. Now, that's a great point. Like, if you watch that match and then you watch this, it just it's not even fair. Another thing, too. Um, as someone who enjoyed Adam Cole in NXT, like I'm sure a lot of people who got a chance to watch him there did, Adam Cole had awesome street fights with inserts, you know, name here. You know what I'm saying? I think he had uh, the great, you know, I love the one he had with Kyle O'Reilly, even though I think it went forever. Uh, he had another one, if I remember, with Gargano in the past. So, like, you know that, I know this probably wouldn't legit, like, I think, no, it's unsanctioned. So, I think that, I don't, it's not really a difference. Only difference is they don't want to, you know, count the unsanctioned. So they don't want to count the match. But it's really just like a street fight or anything. So I know Adam Cole in this format can put on pretty entertaining stuff. And the sad thing about this, uh, you know, the extras at the beginning, uh, you know, the rest of the society and Sabu, they honestly was better than what we got from Cole and Jericho, honestly. It's just like it was – a, it, it was it, the timing was off on everything. Stuff looked messy. And, uh, you know, I just – like you said, no one, I don't know of anybody, honestly, me, like you said, it doesn't, not only does it not compare to that match, which is what I said, one of the greatest last man of standing matches I've, I've ever seen, if not ever. This, this was just, again, it's just like, I, you're just looking at it and you're like, this this can't be what you, what anyone was expecting, considering who these guys are. You know, if these were just two regular guys, then maybe you'll take this. But this is, you know, you're thinking about Jericho, you're thinking about Adam Cole, you're expecting much better than what we got here. Well, the thing as well, if you're going to make it unsanctioned and they're going, well, we can't have spots because obviously what the anarchy in the arena is going to do or, or going to be. Well, don't have right. it then. Have a, have a straight up. Exactly. I'd much rather watch a straight up wrestling match, wouldn't we, between Adam Cole and Chris Jericho? <laughs> like... 
Yes, yes. Then, then this result exactly a hundred percent. And you know, like you said, the finish was nonsensical. It's just it, it, everything about this match just kind of just turned like not only me off the crowd was off social media was like, yeah, we we're not really rocking with this. Like, what we're live while you was watching, you can just tell that just this it just didn't work. It just it really didn't. And uh, honestly, too, I think another great thing, and I, I know I keep doing this, but it's hard for me not to. Uh, right after the, usually a Jericho feud, something that they do all of this. It has some legs. Well, this, this, this after this, I think everyone wanted out. I think everybody wanted out of this. They wanted Adam Cole wanted to get done with this. Jericho, you know, all of that, you know, just wanted to move on because, again, this was not what anyone, in my opinion, probably was looking for in this match. And you're 100% right, James. When you know you have Anarchy and you know they have all the big spots saved up for that show and you don't want to, you know, blow that so early in the show, then, like you said, switch it up, do something, be a little bit more creative. Uh, you know, like you said, we'd rather, I would much rather a regular one-on-one match or something like that, a cage match, anything to just to to switch up the fact that we got the the match that we got here to make them at least be a little bit more creative and come up with something better than what we received. Because again, it was just clunky and it just wasn't really uh, what anyone was looking for. It definitely wasn't pay-per-view worthy. So, uh, yeah, man, I. I don't know. I, I, I want to say something good about it. So, like you said, it was cool to see Sabu going through that table, even though it seemed very everything about Sabu was random. Like they just paid Sabu to show up. We need a legend. Uh, ah, Sabu, hey Sabu, you backstage? Come on, let's get you want to jump to a table again? You know, you know we'll slide you uh, extra thousand dollars. It, it just feels so random. Everything about Sabu's inclusion is random. So yeah, man, this was uh, tough to watch. Honestly, what would you score out of five? I'll give it three and a quarter. That's that's me being nice because I, uh, you, you guys know, I don't care. I will go lower. But is it a case of, and I mean, Jack, say I'll ask you this because we spoke about this on the last pod. Jericho needs to stop forcing himself onto wrestlers, so to speak. You know, like when you think about how hot <laughs> Ricky Starks was and what happened there, when you think about kind of even how hot Adam Cole was and what it, this has become, mm. you know, it's just like, Yes, I know everybody loves singing Judas, but that prominent spot on a pay-per-view when there's others who deserve it, you know. Yeah, it it, it kind of just feels like, um, like, you know, Jericho is hot, you know, but I feel like he can afford to be used uh, less frequently, you know, and I think that that would put, like, his matches on a much more higher caliber level because people would be wanting to see him um, and... <clears throat> Uh, it would just make sense if he became sort of like a mentor uh, that was like just mainly sort of focusing on sort of like the sidelines for a bit and then would come in for like a big match or something like that. I think there would just be a lot more uh, a feel to it. Um, again, I don't really have much to say. I feel like Monty kind of summed this match up perfectly. In my opinion, I feel like the first half of this match was like the better part of the match itself. And that was because of a lot of the involvement of everyone else and not much to do with just Adam Cole and Chris Jericho and their match. I mean, you know, it, it, it's horrible to say it like this because, you know, Adam Cole did just return, but, you know, the the, the highlight that I can even remember is more about Brick coming out and getting a bit of retribution on Chris Jericho. Like, that, that was more of a highlight than 
sort of like the second half of the match of what we got. Like like Monty explained, I feel like um, timings were all off. The pacing was really like off. Uh, they they both weren't just connecting with one one another for some reason, and it just kind of felt like a mess. You know, um, the ending for me, I really did not understand it. I, I was just kind of I very I was very much like just kind of silent when it ended, and that's not kind of the level of that's not what you want as a reaction um, at the end of a wrestling match. But I was kind of silent because I was like, "What just happened? Really? Yeah. Um, <laughs> if this was because for me, it didn't. How does it make sense that the ref is going to count something out when this is unsanctioned? Well, the ref should yet. have less right. leeway, it, less leeway to like call off a match." you know when it is unsanctioned so to me I, that made no sense that right reminded me of the ref saying no that's a dq from seth rollins for against the fiend in that hell in the cell match mm. you yeah, know yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right yeah. <laughs> made no sense as to why the ref made that call you know so for me i was just like what, ref, why did you make that call up? yeah yeah right. uh right. so yeah, yeah. Well, that's instantly what I got reminded of, you know, when when the ref made the call, I was like, why are you making this call? It's unsanctioned. You should probably like not have this much. Uh, he he should have less responsibility in this match because it's unsanctioned, yeah. you know? What would so, your score out of five be for this one? Um, I've, I, yeah, I've given it three and three quarters. Um. Uh, and I'm giving it that specifically for, for like sort of the earlier moments and the Britt Baker moment. So... Yeah, I- my favourite comment was one of my mates walking by and went, why is the dad fighting the son? And I said, no, that's... <laughs> <laughs> that's Jericho, you know? Like, um, Gina, what were your thoughts? What's your score out of five? Um, I kind of had the same thoughts as you guys. I, I did enjoy it because I I do really like, I do have a soft spot for Adam Cole and I also have a soft spot for Roderick Strong. So I do feel like I'm slightly biased because I I still like them even though I wasn't as entertained. And I completely agree with all of your views on this match. It, it, I definitely feel like for, especially because it's like a comeback sort of match for Adam Cole as well. He's just come back from injuries and this is the feud they've put him in. And I, I totally get it, but I don't know. Something also wasn't working. And again, I think it might be a bit overexposure of Jericho. And don't get me wrong, I absolutely love Jericho. I think Petty Jericho, the Wizards Jericho, I love silly wrestling. I love it when it makes me giggle. And I just, Jericho is the epitome of that. And I absolutely love it. But I think there's a bit too much. I think, as my sister said, we need to kind of restrict maybe some of his time not just necessarily on the show but we get him you know on rampage doing commentary as well so we get like little spots of maybe storylines that he's involved in and someone coming in chatting to him up on the on the commentary booth and things like that like we're we're getting a lot of content from him which is great but I think he can afford to take a step back and give some more of that time to someone else so totally agree with you all but I do have a soft spot for Adam Cole so I have given it a four. <laughs> Sorry. No, 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 that's fine. I'll give it three and a half. Predictions, we all went cold. Means Team Jonty is on three. Uh, girls on two as we go to the AW World Tag Team Championship match. FTR versus Jeff Jarrett. That's J-double-F-J-double-R-E-double-T and Jay Lethal. Mark Briscoe, special ref, because why not? 
Uh, Jarrett sent Wheeler into the barricade, repeatedly allowing the Hills to seize control. Harwood broke out a diving headbutt, consecutive German suplexes and a brain buster to lethal as part of a hot babyface comeback, but could not secure the win. Jarrett accidentally did with a guitar shot to Briscoe, and Karen Jarrett not at all accidentally levelled Aubrey Edwards, which is probably the most over thing in the entire match. Uh, Double J disrespectfully braided Briscoe, who was then shoved into the shat machine for the FTR to retain their titles. Uh, Gina, we know how much we love FTR. This is just a waste now. You have to wonder what Double J and Lethal have over Tony Khan. I mean, I, I, do you know what? I don't want to say this in, an, in a negative way, okay? I have recently uh, lost a family member myself, so I can completely sympathize with, with, you know, the loss of a family member. But part of me is like, is Jeff Jarrett losing his dad are they like let's just give him all the time in the world on on tv right now because for me this was just like why are we having this match like why like did has jeff jarrett paid tony khan or is tony khan feeling a bit of sympathy and it's like let's just get him you know in storylines and be on tv as much as we can i don't know but honestly i love ftr they're one of my favorite tag teams but this wasn't for me I mean, 20 fucking minutes of our lives. We right, are never that's the back. crime. <laughs> that's the crime, man. 20 minutes? Like, can you believe that? They still got Jeff Jarrett wrestling 20 minutes in 2023. <laughs> what, what the fuck? Honestly, I, 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 don't, I don't really know what to say about this match because for if there were any positive spots, I've forgotten about it because I just feel like it was overshadowed with why was this match oh, here? It's just awful, awful. You know, so I don't really have much positive things to say. What is your score out of five? Oh, I really like UFTR and I really want to do the same as what I did with Adam Cole because I'm biased to you guys, but I can't. I gave you a three and a half and I think that is even nice. Yeah, do you know what? I I have never rated an FTR match so low. As this one. Right, <laughs> like, right. I actually feel like I'm I'm betraying them, and I feel so evil. But I just can't rate it any higher. Uh, Monty, what about you? What I mean, thoughts of match. What's your score out of five as well? Yeah, man. You got you know how I feel about Team TNA. You know, because I don't think about whatever just Jared is on my screen. I just think about TNA, but. Uh yeah, uh I'm not like you said, FTR, they did they did they did a good job though. I, I they I'm not gonna say they did a good job of waking up the crowd that was kinda, you know, killed by the ending of that Jericho match. So I do wanna give them props there and you're hundred percent right. The most memorable thing that happened and it's crazy that I'm saying this about an FTR match was Karen Jarrett uh using the guitar and on, on Aubrey and all of that. So and they're back and forth. So yeah, man, that was uh, you know, I give I give it that. But other than that, you know, and, and also wondering why in the hell this is happening in the first place, you know, I was not into it from the beginning. So I'm I'm right along with you. Three yeah, three and a quarter is where I'm sitting at. Yeah, I I, I did give three and a quarter. Jack, see, I mean, the tag team division used to be so good, didn't it, in AEW? <laughs> what happened? 
Do you know what? It's really hard because you've got such great tag teams, so it's not like the the, the competition isn't there. But do you know what? The storylines have been stagnant, and a lot of it has been because they Tony has had the wrong people in the in the title picture, the wrong people to to get to generate the wrong type of hype. But they're not getting any hype. You had the Guns, which I'm really sorry that they were like the most hated tag team. Like having that decision to have. The guns take it off of FTR, I think, was actually more disrespectful than anything because FTR is such a great duo. Even with, you know, sort of like how the guns ended up with the titles, I think no one was ready for that. And I think then with them sort of like dipping out and leaving for a bit and having some well-deserved time off, um, it, the storylines have been stagnant for the tag team division. Um, and, you know, just even with having Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal pushed into so many different storylines, um, it, it's it's something that no one wants to really see. Unfortunately, like not a lot of people are, 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 are genuinely excited at having Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal versus FTR on Double or Nothing compared to like potentially have ha- having had the Lucha Brothers versus uh, FTR. You know, um, I, I think that uh again very much what you were saying about Chris Jericho and sort of just always sort of like squeezing his way into some sort of storyline that's a similar aspect with Jeff Jarrett at the moment I just don't think anyone's like anyone cares to see him at this point I don't think he's like the, him and Jay aren't like the hottest uh wrestlers within AEW at the moment and rather than actually kind of focusing on different tag teams and maybe seeing who else is hot like the acclaimed or anyone else um and, and rolling with that we're still getting this push and we're kind of like okay so I agree with everything you guys have said I I felt like this type of match should have been on a, like a dynamite or even a rampage I wouldn't play it on a, a show like this so I just kind of wasn't really impressed by it um the most impressive thing that I that I think came out of this is that we're gonna be getting a feud between a ref Aubrey Edwards and um Jeff Jarrett's wife so I think that's sort of the only thing that I I felt like remotely in, invested in throughout the whole of that match um just to see what where things were gonna go with Aubrey and the wife so that's saying something really and I I hate sort of like uh, um, bad mouthing a match that um, that FTR are a part of, but they didn't have much to work with, in my opinion. So, yeah, but which five? Yeah, I'm sorry, I gave it a three and a half, and that is the lowest I've given them. Yeah, me too. I completely agree. Predictions we all went FTR, so it means Jonty's on four, Gail's on three. Uh, we'll talk about what's going to happen next. FTR help Ricky from the Bullet Club because we all know Ricky, we won. <laughs> This is what I was going to, I was going to save this, but I'm going to admit now. Seeing Jay, uh, like we said, seeing um, Jay White teaming with uh, Juice Robinson and realizing David Finley and Jay White have swapped places is is the craziest thing in professional wrestling at this moment in time. Um, and of course, what can cheer us up? How about a ladder match with Wardlow versus Christian Cage? It's what everybody wants. Come on. Uh, Cage split Wardlow's legs, causing him to crotch himself on a ladder, bridging the ring and barricade. Arn Anson Luchasaurus got involved with uh, Arn Anson starving off a choke slam by biting off the thumb of Luchasaurus. Now, I didn't know dinosaurs had thumbs, but, you know, that said so <laughs> pro-wrestling. Wardlow jumped from the ropes and onto the ladder, breaking the rung and nearly fucking himself up. In the process, 
The champion did launch himself off one ladder drive and Luchasaurus for tables at ringside. And finally, Arn Anderson tipped the ladder, dropping Cage off into waiting arms of Wardlow with the babyface retaining from there. Uh, I mean, Monty, there are a few instances of Christian Cage being in a ladder match uh, that I have seen, and very few can be described as probably just bad. And all JR did was talk about TLC. Why didn't someone tell him? You know, just stop talking about the past. <laughs> Please don't bring it up. Like It can't measure up, JR. Don't bring that up right now. <laughs> Man, this can't measure up with Edge versus Christian one-on-one when they first broke up in a ladder match. Like, this is this can't even beat that, just that, that, that match. Uh, but, yeah, man, this is weird. It's a weird... Ass ladder match. That's what I'll say. A lot of interference that, even though I, I definitely expected Luchasaurus, but you can't tell me anyone expected Art Anderson to get as involved as he did, and the the butt, the blood, the, the biting the fingers, just so ridiculous. But I guess I did get a chuckle out of it, so I can't say it was a minus. Uh, like you mentioned, uh, you know, Warlow, he did have his spot, so I think that was probably what they set this whole entire matchup for. And Christian did, you know, do a lot more than maybe I was expecting at this stage of his career. But at the same time, you can tell it was he's not he's not the old Christian. You can't take the, some of those insane bumps anymore because honestly, it's insane that you still want you still have Christian in a match like this at this stage of his career. Like uh I, I honestly don't know if Christian should be doing this. I know he definitely have to pick his spots with it. Uh but uh yeah man I'm not really I love ladder matches and I wasn't really a fan of this but uh some of the moments in it did you know uh stick out in my mind so I guess I'll give it that more than some of the uh, some of the earlier matches. Uh but uh man you know again like I said a match like this does it does really help Wardlow establish this next reign or whatever? Or like, or do we even care what's going on with Wardlow and his reign as TNT champion? That's one of the things that I'm starting to think about now. It's, it's just it's so he's come so far. Like he's again MJF is the champion now, so I still can say this. But like ever since Max, him and Max just stopped feuding, he's just came. He's become so far away from that guy. That guy when he was feuding with Max and the guy now that you saw, you know. Uh, doing this and like you said almost hurt himself running up the ladder it's just like uh like they have to do so much to try to make you remember Wardlow is cool now when back in the day he didn't have to do much of anything to let you know that he was the guy so I don't know it's just it's so weird when I think about that how far how far we've come or how far he's fallen I think I say that almost every AEW big show so I've been waiting on them to figure it out and they still don't seem to have they still don't seem like they have but uh, overall, I think I still get his match three and three quarters. Like I said, Christian bumped pretty good, for, especially when you think about how many bumps he has on that car at this point. And uh, again, it, I chuckled at Arn Anderson's moment, so I can't I can't hate this match. But it it wasn't like you said; it was definitely not a good ladder match. It wasn't a memorable or a compelling one, but it was it definitely had moments that I stick out. Yeah, but the, the crowd weren't into it, and like you said, Mister Turtleneck needs to leave it to the kind of younger guys. <laughs> And this is my issue. This, this, yeah. the last three matches felt so kind of WCW in the case mm-hmm. of just like or Impact. Yeah, just well, even with Impact, Impact at its worst. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> because the, the thing is, it's just these these gimmick matches putting in with it, like 
Christian in. Let's put Christian in. Let's put Jericho because they're ex WWE guys. Exactly, a bit like Impact. Ex WWE guys. Right. Name value. Right. Yeah. And and you cut the development of. Imagine this match not being here, and like I said, Ricky Starks versus you know Jack or you know Orange Cassidy. Just simple homegrown talents not being used. And at this point, I'm just like, fuck me, you know. Um, But again, Jackson, this is just. AEW's problem at this moment in time. It's just, for me, it's too many gimmick matches and questionable booking again, isn't it? Yeah, again, I I, I don't really feel like I have much more to say because I would end up repeating myself. I think Monty and yourself both explained it really clearly on this. And, you know, there were some sort of spot, uh, there were certain spots, uh, like you pointed out, that, that really did stand out. But again, I, I, I don't know what they're doing with with Wardlow, man, like like you said, I have to really agree with you on the statement you said about, you know, uh, Monty said it, I think, sorry, about uh, Wardlow, actually, you didn't even need to see him in action, but you knew he was the guy when he was with MJF. But lately, even as a, a champion for a second time, this run has not yet been memorable. And I feel like this is yet another match that's going to fade into sort of like, the, the distance of like forgetting that he had this t- title defense because I don't really feel like much much significance came out as a result of 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 match. Um, I, I don't know what it is because he really did have something when he was you know um, uh, back working with MJF and I don't want to fully say that it was was all MJF but I think it was like sort of what they did with Wardlow back then really sort of put him over as the guy to be and ever since they put a title on him they've really not actually captured that he is the guy to be the champion you know um so i don't know what we need to do in order to actually showcase him correctly and in a way that like he it feels like he oh yeah he is the champion and not that we're forgetting about him but right now again his second run is not just not been memorable um and it's just that because of like you know i can see that one of trying um, I just don't think that this, the booking has been the best uh, for him. So we'll see what's coming up, though, because, if you know, like we, it's just been recently announced that he's facing Jake Hager again, and we know that those two worked really well together. Um, so who knows, maybe something can ignite um, this this uh, title um, and, and just sort of, you know, lead them to have a great match. But we'll see when it comes to the, the match we're talking about. Not much came out of it for me, so I, I'll give it a three and three quarters. Um, but yeah, it was it was a non memorable one. Yeah, Gina, what about you? What's your <laughs> score out of five? Um, yeah, I just gave this a three and a half, and I think that's even being nice. So it probably should just get a three. I wasn't really invested for all the various reasons you lot said. So yeah, I just gave it a three and a half. Yeah, I gave it three and a half. I, I gave it that because of Wardlow's bump, to be fair, if he didn't do that. Uh, predictions? Look, I don't know why I went Christian. I'm not going to lie. I don't know what I was smoking that night. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> makes me a knobhead, without a doubt. The sensible ones all went Wardlow, so it means Monty's on So five. you can't give me shit about Noam Dar anymore, seriously. I wasn't you went shit. Christian. I- I would yes, I and I hate Christian. About <laughs> what, what a triple threat match, hey? What about triple threat, <laughs> guys? <laughs> you stick Drew McIntyre in there. What a fatal four way. People let me down. You know what I'm saying? 
I'm sorry, James. Does that bring you back? Does that bring you down to our level now? Throw Cody in there too. Yeah, I wouldn't say that, you know what. What's it said? It's it's not. It's 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 a marathon, not sprint. All right, everybody. Yeah. So let's not get too excited. Uh, but at the moment, <laughs> my runner has fallen over and he's rolling around in the bushes at this moment in time. We'll be all right. AEW World Women's <laughs> Championship match: Jamie Hayter versus Tony Storm. And Jamie Hayter was, of course, injured entering the event, and the book and proceeding it suggested she might not be able to defend her title. She did. Albeit in a short match that calls protected her injured right arm. Soraya and Ruby Soho beat Hater all the way down the ramp, further damaging her shoulder all the way. Wrestler to just make an entrance like they're being attacked. You know, just throw themselves out and then just be like, no, you just got pranked. It's just me. <laughs> uh, anyway, we see the damaging of the shoulder. Soho blinded Hater with spray paint. Again, I'm glad this wasn't overbooked. We saw an, expi- uh, an exposed turnbuckle. <laughs> Baker and Sheeta took the fight to the hills of sport, but Storm managed to put hate away to win the title. So your new AEW champion is two-time Tony Storm. Uh, Jaxi, what were your thoughts on this? Listen, I'm not trying to stir shit yet, but all I'm saying is Britt came out quicker to save her man than she did to come out and actually save her best friend, yeah? Ooh. I was waiting there for ages. Like, you know, Jamie Hayter came out getting attacked. And yet, girl, where are you? How long did it take you to come down? Like, I don't know. Right, I've got the best way to describe this match for me was a mess. Um, I get that Jamie is uh, injured um, and they needed to put it on her. Was I disappointed with the outcome? Of course. I feel like it's um, been going back and forth between Tony and and, and stuff for a while. Um, so I don't really know what this means for the women's division. Um, it, Yeah, I, it's disappointing, I think. You know, I, it's disappointing to hear that Jamie is injured and I really hope that she has a speedy recovery. Um, her run was far from over um, and it's really disappointing to see that she she couldn't she couldn't carry on um i would have loved to have seen her at forbidden door um so i'm re- i'm feeling really gutted for her um ultimately i just feel like this was a mess put it being put together um you know with the way that they were showcasing uh, like taking the belt and stuff um yeah i just there, i don't really have much positive things to say about the match in general to be honest because it wasn't really a match it was more so like a beat down and then just a pin you know um and that's kind of how they went with what would your score out of five be oh uh, this is so bad but i mean i'm gonna give it a three because it just did nothing for me um obviously i was disappointed with the outcome being turning as a winner even if uh jamie wasn't injured but this is the way they would have gone i would have been very disappointed with Tony be ultimately winning that. Um, but I feel like I'm just giving I'm giving it more three because I feel like the presentation of the whole match itself was just a mess. Um and quite frankly, I would have maybe just put Soraya in that position and had her win the belt rather than actually just put it back on Tony Storm because you're doing what you did with the TNT championship, uh, but to the women's belt now and you're going you're going back and forth and playing as a yo-yo. So it's like make up your mind. <laughs> I completely agree. I mean, even like I said, even this was booked like impacts. Like, well, not impact because they actually treat the women with a bit more respect. But like, this is WSW booking. There was no crowd reaction at all for um, this title change either. I mean, Gina 
did that surprise you? Or yeah, at this point, uh, for me, I was just like, let's get this pay per view fucking done. It's not. It's a loser. I mean, <laughs> the thing is, we get so many like um, reports. This person is injured, or it's a work, or you know, for the storyline. So for me, when I did see that there were rumors about Jamie being injured, I was like, is this a work? Is it just rumors? Because surely they had Jamie win the belt from Tony. They're not just going to have her now lose the belt back to Tony and do again what they did with the TNT belt. And hang on, my fire alarm's going off. <laughs> well, <laughs> that, I guess Tony Storm is not having, like um, that. Yeah, <laughs> no, I think uh, her uh, flat's fire alarm has been playing up, so you'll have to give her a moment um, no, to, to switch be, it off. To be fair, though, as we record this, it is like the hottest day in England we've ever <laughs> had. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Definitely, there's like no wind here at all, um, so wow. it's just been stifling, yeah. um, but not in all parts <laughs> of the UK. Uh, my sister is in Bristol, which is about... Um, two and a half hour, three hour drive away and apparently it's been raining all day there or it's been like incredibly stuffy here in I'm so Venice. sorry about that <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I think my sister was summoning it up correctly, that fire alarm has been going off all day, I don't know if it's a fault whether it's the weather or whether my neighbour is getting too excited with his outside barbecue and it's triggering it, I don't know but sorry <laughs> if that um, rang really loud for anybody's ears. Um, but again, back to my disappointment. Again, I didn't want to go with Tony because I thought it was going to be too much to go back and forth with this belt. And I thought, well, if that's the case, if she really is injured, then even if they don't think Soraya's like on that calibre yet to be holding the belt and having regular matches, then even give it to flipping Ruby. Like, Ruby, I know that yes. it was then being in the storyline, but just give that belt to Ruby. She's been here long enough. She can carry it. She can carry herself. She's got her own mic charm. So why not just give it to her rather than go back to Tony? So that's, I think that's what ultimately annoyed me. If you did have to have Jamie lose that belt, then why couldn't they have just changed it up a bit and been like, actually, let's give it to Ruby, seeing as she's also a part of the group. You know, it's just, yeah, for me, I just wasn't feeling it. So I gave it a three as well. Yeah, I mean, it's true, isn't it, Monty? You know, like, we, we're expecting a little bit more. I mean, I know the women's division, you know, the story is probably forced in a way, but let's hope they've actually got plans to resolve it, you know? Yeah, and I know, I think this is also an immediate reaction to that whole interim thing that they went through. I don't think they wanted to do that again because I, my whole thing is when a wrestler is to this extent to where they can't even give you more than a three-minute man, a three minute, like, you want to call it a match, but this is basically, like you said, a beatdown segment or whatever, especially for most of it. Uh, if they can't wrestle longer than, like, three minutes and give you an actual match, then they probably shouldn't be out there, especially defending a title. That's always kind of my thing sometimes uh, with this. But I guess when you have Cody Rhodes talking about he fighting with a broken arm, it's, it's hard to even make that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's, yeah, he got a new injury every match, so... Yeah, going into Chena and Ronda at WrestleMania, like just not actually <laughs> even being present in the match, but ultimately just coming in at the end, like everyone was like, "Where did you two come from?" And then they just win. Right, exactly. So it's just like again, I I, I I would prefer us to do something else, switch up the plan, be creative or something about it. You know, say this wouldn't be interim. She's had, she's given up the belt tonight. 
let's do a uh, you know exciting like triple threat or something. Britt didn't have a match, throw Britt in the match or something. Anything uh, could give us something. Right, anything yeah. would have been more interesting than what they end up giving us, especially when you go backwards. It feels like you're going backwards when it comes to Tony because it just feels like this is an immediate reaction yeah. to her injury and all of that instead of feeling like Tony Storm actually, you know, beat her, you know, legit. And I know she's a heel and it's fine and we'll see where they go from here. But, yeah, man, it's three minutes. It's just two minutes more than what Natalia went through in Saudi Arabia. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that should put this in perspective for you. So it wasn't really much of a match. But I'm wishing Jamie a, a, a speedy recovery because I know you guys would love to see her all in it. So I would. I, I don't know if she's gonna be able to make that now. I hate she the fact better. she that, fucking you know, better and she better right? fucking That's win what it. I was hoping. I wanted her to be champion. I picked her in this match because I was like, all right, shoot injury or not, I'm Literally. hoping she's this champion so she exactly. can be all in. But that's yeah. why I went with her too. I was hoping that she's yeah. going to be repping repping over here in the UK. Exactly. This is devastating. But, yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully, we'll I will be able to make uh, make it back in time to you know come get her title back at, at all. Right. Like if she can actually come hopefully. back and, and you know uh, be fit and ready and actually take a uh, pick re pick up the belt in the UK, that will be such an iconic moment. So this is why I'm holding hopes that she'll have a speedy recovery and we can all live enjoy watching Jamie Hater come and get what hurts. Yeah, Monty, what was your score out of five for that one? Yeah, three. I, I go with three, just like everyone else. Yeah, everybody went three. Predictions all went eight. So Monty's on five, the rest on four. And we've got the AEW World Trios Championship match, the acclaimed, and Daddy Arse versus House of Black. And like much of the show to this point, uh, this failed to go on the level of fan engagement. It should have maybe deserved, despite having two of the most over acts in the company, calls case to obliterated Matthews on the mic. With a pre-match rap lyric referencing Dominic Mysterio and Ray Ripley, who's your mummy? Chance broke out in the stands because we always want to put a character over in another organization of from course. another promotion, right? Yeah, right. That's exactly what you want. You go see Ray Ripley. <laughs> you know how good she is. Uh, Bowens enjoyed a long leg focused attack at the hands of the hills. Finally made a hot tag to Daddy Arse, who exploded into the match and took the fights to the hills. But Alistair Black, oh, sorry, Alistair Black, Malachi Black, my God, show my age, uh, managed to put Daddy Arse away with the, don't call it the Black Mass kick, uh, I suppose. And Gina, I mean, what were your thoughts on the trio style? Because House of Black and the acclaimed Daddy Arse, I was expecting the crowd to actually be invested into it. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely was invested in this match. I'm a big fan of the House of Black. And I also really um, enjoy the acclaimed and daddy ass, to be fair. They're always entertaining and they're great wrestlers. So I knew it was going to be a good match. The the rocking coming out, I'm sorry. (laughs) He touched on a bit of black paste stuff too. And I was like, oh, it was was hilarious and awkward at the same time. And I loved it. But... um, no, it was a great match. I literally, I, I knew in my heart, like, the House of Black have got to win this. But you still can't help but want the acclaims to win because they just have that, they give you that feeling, you know. They have that face feel that just always make you want to see them come out on top. So I reckon they had a really, like, good back and forth. I think all of them worked well together. Um, and, yeah, I definitely enjoyed this match much more than I did most of the cards, to be honest. So I gave it a four. Yeah, for uh, Monty, what are your thoughts? Because again, this is 
I don't know. I don't know if I'm being too neg- negative. What are your thoughts on this? No, you you're you're not being too negative. Uh, this, like you said, it wasn't really like you said with the people involved. You were definitely expected. I think the crowd had a lot more to do with the fact that everything else on this show so far has been kind of disappointed. So, other than maybe you know, so it's just like they, they were dead. It's just like you needed something, but you would expect them to at least get picked up just by the thought of the people involved in this. Uh, and you know, again, I, I don't even know what the open house rules are. Cause like it just felt like a regular trios match with the lights or whatever. It just kind of you know, uh, it was all fine though. Like you said, the work was cool and you know, uh, but at the same time, it was kind of hard to focus on it. You know, it wasn't really, uh, I wasn't really as invested in it. But it, again, it wasn't uh, a problem. I think it got a lot to do with the lack of heat. It was just like basically an open challenge, so not no not really a story between the acclaimed and the House of Black and. So, you know, it just, you would, if it had something else again for people to latch on to, maybe it would have been a little bit more interesting. But again, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't bad, you know, at all. I thought it was solid, but it was still wasn't, it also wasn't nothing special. And uh, yeah, man, uh, it was, it's like you said, it was still disappointing. It was still a disappointing thing. And I think when you, I think maybe, maybe we're looking at it, like you said, maybe we're all looking at it from more of a critical eye. Or maybe our expectations was a little bit too high, but I don't think so. I think with the talent involved here, we had a right to expect a little bit more, uh, you know, fast pace. They, 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 uh, the usual, AEW usually does a good job with their pay-per-views of it just feeling like, even if some of the shows are overbooked or they're long, they still know how to wrestle with that urgency that this is a big event. And this, again, this is another one of those things that kind of felt like, oh, well, this could have just been a, uh, a good opener or dynamite one time or something, and we would have been fine with it and moved on. So I think that's the thing about it. Uh, uh, yeah, so I don't know. I, I think I give it like three and a quarter overall, or maybe three and a half to say. Yeah, three and a half would be fair. Yeah. I think it's fair to say, Jackson, we all love the House of Black. We expect it to be dominant, but with no story. I mean, if you give them a little bit more attention, like kind of the Elite and the Blackpool Combat Club, mm-hmm. line, it would have worked, wouldn't it? But again... He's just kind of thrown together last minute. Mm, um, I think I think it also has to do with like the placement on the card. I think people were getting burned out already, and like you know, just previously before this, we just had like sort of the atrocity, which was the women's title match. Um, like it just felt like the the crowd had dipped at this point because even I was disappointed and noticed that. Like how like they weren't really as jumpy or excited to see two two great trios um uh, wrestlers you know about to go at it. But again, that I think it also plays into sort of it being an open house call. There was there was no story behind this match apart from anyone could have come out. You know, so I don't think that there was a certain level of investment that usually goes into a match because there's been build up for it. Um, I think this match actually would have worked so much better if it was like an the opening match or even on the buy in um, in terms of, you know, just actually leveling. I think it would have woken the crowd up and I think it would have got them a, a bit more, right. you know, excited. So I think it, I do think it has like... Um, I don't think they were placed well on the car- on the match card ultimately, so I don't think it did anything to actually help heighten uh, the crowd at this point because of the crowd were already feeling deflated um, and be- with no investment going into the next match, it was just probably hard for them to really get into it, you know. Um, so yeah, uh, like ultimately, I do think it was like a-, a good match between both of them, 
But I think with the lack of storyline behind it or any build-up, um, it just was wrongly placed in, in the match card. And I think that let it down more so than anything else. So for me, I'm, I'm going to give it three and three quarters. Um, I still enjoyed the match itself. I actually enjoyed it a lot more than a few of the other matches uh, that have been on this card. Um, But yeah, it just, it did nothing to sort of progress with either the acclaimed or House of Black. Like you said, that could have gone on a dynamite as well. Yeah, completely agree. Three and three quarters there. Predictions, we all went for House of Black. So it means Monty's on six, the rest is on five. And we've got the TBS Championship, Ty Valkyrie versus Jade Cargill. And we see Big Boss Fett playing Cargill to the ring in an entrance befitting the start, the champ is. Now, I tell you what, credit. Credit where it's Let's due. go. You know, Cargill does a lot right, maybe some wrong in the ring, but you can't fault the entrance. And yeah. I, I'll take a wrestler dancing all day long. You know, break into song, you get bonus points then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> really, really good stuff. Valkyrie overcame a match-long attack to trap Cargill in a submission, delivering a big stomp that bounced the champ's head off the mat. The challenger delivered road to Valhalla for the closest near fall of the match and a near fall that actually woke the crowd up a little bit and realised what they were watching. But Cargo responded with Jaded for the successful title defence. Uh, credit to Tyre, I think, in this one. Uh, Monty, what do you think about this match? Just straight up uh, between Jade and Tyre before we get to the goodness that happened afterwards. Because I think Tyre... Did a great right. job here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she did uh, really good. Uh, I also think this is way better than that. Whatever encounter they had a few, I think a few weeks before this or whatever. Uh, it was that wasn't really the best, but this one definitely improved on, on that formula. I liked it. Another thing I liked about this, and you're gonna, I think you might get, you might understand where I'm coming from. That this was a breath of fresh air. This and matter of fact, even the House of Black match was a breath of fresh air in this sense. To where it just felt like one of the first matches where we didn't have uh, overbooked shenanigans going on. You know, like it was a straight up one on one title match. And it was like, okay, like I can get behind this. It's pretty simple. You know, one person's undefeated, the other person trying to win the title. You know, it's a, it's a simple thing to get behind. They didn't take too long. It only, it, I don't even know if it went, it didn't even go nine minutes, I don't think, much less 10 minutes. So uh, it was a, a really, really good match. And uh, uh, at least from the standpoint of, what like kind of like my expectation let me say it like that and i believe uh like you said jade ended up looking pretty good in some spots and taya definitely carried the load of the work and she carried it well to uh make jade look pretty good here so i i didn't have a problem with it the match was pretty cool and it was a straight up uh good defense for for jade yeah right what would you score out of five um i think i'll give the match itself i'll give it you know i'll stay at three and a half yeah, I'm going to give it a four because I was just desperate for anything else, you know. Um, Jaxie, right. just for this match, what's your score out of five? Um, yeah, like I, I have to actually uh, say my sister and I had a had a chat about the um, uh, this match. Taya ha- hasn't been impressing us throughout, you know, her, her joining AEW, but this match itself, she sold herself so well to me. I really was impressed. I was looking at this girl, you know, and actually thinking, damn, now I'm seeing it. And I think the issue is, is when they first brought her in, they brought her in as a big deal, but then was having her on Rampage, having these matches with these nomads that were coming out and not even having their own entrances. So how can we really actually see right. what her talent is? 
um, when she's just going out there and squashing every every jobber that that's been put in line for her. You know, this match was something that I just I I was impressed by both women. Um, I think they really worked well together in this match. A lot um, a lot better than the match before, like Monty said as well. Um, I think they played off each other well, and there just wasn't that there wasn't any fuck, fucking going on. You know, like, it was just a straight up match. Um, Overall, I really enjoyed this match, um, and I thought that Taya had it at one point. So I have to get—I have to commend her for that. Um, I gave this a four and a quarter because I actually thought both women worked really hard on this. Gina, what about you? Like I said, this was a really, really good match, and as Jaxie said, it's Taya showing what she can accomplish when given time. You know. Oh, definitely. I was very, um, I wouldn't actually say I was very negative about Taya last time, but I just wasn't bothered by her. Um, and after this match, I was like, wait, what? Again, I, I don't know Taya um, and her previous wrestling background, so I haven't seen her previous matches. All I've had to go on are, again, these nomad matches I've seen on Rampage and I've not. It's not that she's not showcased herself well. It's just I've I've been like what makes her special over everybody else, etc. That sort of thing, you know. Um, she changed my mind during this match. So fair play to Taya for this match because I was like, this girl can wrestle, and she's actually putting Jade in her place. Like this is the first time that I've seen Jade probably look so worried within a match as well, and she's being like, she's having her ass handed to her too. So I think they definitely worked well together, and I was super intrigued to see what the outcome was because I generally thought Taya was going to get it at some point too. Um, so yeah, I definitely, definitely um, was happy with the match, and I gave it a four and a quarter too. Yeah, really, really good stuff. Predictions we all went Jade, so Monty's still in the lead seven six. Then, as he's done numerous times, numerous times in the past, smart Mark Sterling let his mouth get him in trouble as he issued an open challenge on behalf of the victor. None other than Chris Statland returned to the square circle after a year away and proceeds to do what no one else has been able to do, defeat Jay Cargill for the TBS title. The moment, a great one for the former self and the fans have waited patiently to see her back in the ring, brought an end to title reign with an explanation point. And I'll tell you what, Jaxie, that is how you make, that's how you lose the title after an historic reign, but I know you always wanted Chris Statland back. What a moment this was. It was. Like, do you know what? I had a bit of, like, I was a bit 50-50 with this, right? First of all, um, I couldn't help but be reminded of, like, how Charlotte Flair had done the same thing, like, not too long ago, of returning shortly after a great match that Ronda had with Raquel, um, and then just coming in and straight away taking the title. And just like I felt with that match then, there was a slight disappointment because I felt like having it done like this took away from the calibre of match that Taya Valkyrie had just had with Jade. Um, and I also, again, it, it is irrespective of the person, as you just said, you know I was excited for Chris to return. Um, I think there's something a little bit shady about, like, you know, coming out for and, and making the champion do a second title defence. Um, yeah, of course, you're going to have a greater advantage in that point. That being said, uh, we all were waiting for this moment, you know. I, I was kind of hoping that we would uh, potentially uh, have gotten um, her return, maybe for a save, you know, uh, maybe Jay just beats down upon Taya, maybe just come in for the save for the moment, have this build up. And then I, I would have loved to have seen this match be on Forbidden Door 
Chris Statlander versus Jade, like a full-on match, one-on-one. Um, I would have been really hyped for that, and I probably would have gone with Chris to win, you know? Um, I'm not saying that this wasn't the right way to go, but I, I don't think it was my favorite way to have done this. Um, not taking anything away from this either, but, um, like, it, it, it just made me feel a bit 50-50 about it. I was a bit, like, on the fence about this one, about how it was done, you know? Yeah, okay. Uh, Monty, what were your thoughts on this? Because, again, good moment for Chris and Jade. I think maybe they're protecting a little bit so she can go away, come back, and maybe go for the top title. Yeah, that definitely, I think, was trying to protect her. You could, you kind of put more of the blame on Mark than you put on Jade in this situation, too. So it's like, and like you mentioned, she wrestled a match. So she doesn't look weak here at all. She doesn't lose a thing. And I agree. I think that's probably the next step, especially now that we have like a question mark really with the, at the top of the women's division. It'll be, uh, you know, depending on when they want to bring Jay back and how they want to do it, she can definitely go after the women's of uh, the world title over the, uh, you know, you know, for, for the AEW women's title against Tony or whoever is the champion at the time. Uh, but Jade, uh, again, I think another thing here, you know, after 500, after over 500 days as champion, being the only champion, the TBS champion that they even had, you know, being undefeated, it was a lot of things that, you know, it, it, make, it makes sense. Did I, would I love the, like you said, the Chris Statlin? I think Chris Statlin was always going to be the person. I think we all know that. I think AEW has pretty much been honest about that along the way before, you know, around after she got injured. A lot of, there's a lot of people basically saying it was supposed to be Chris a long time ago. So, and if you think about that, it makes sense why they will try to rush it and just get it out the way now. But uh, yeah, I 100% agree with you, Jackson. It would have been nice for the person to who dethroned Jay to actually have to give us a story because that's the one thing that I will say about Jay's run. You know, uh, as and by the way, gotta give a, another. I gotta tip my cap to Jade again because she's one of those champions who became champion and did have to learn not only learn the the business but had to learn the business as a champion. Like that's tough. That's a tough. That's a tough thing to do. Like a lot of people don't. Get, a lot of people get a lot of more time just wrestling than they uh, before they become champion. And she had to do that while becoming champion. So and while being champion. So I do. I do want to give her props for that and improving along the way. But, uh, yeah, man, this moment was great for Chris. I, that also really woke up the crowd. Everyone was definitely very happy to see her. And, uh, you know, I was, too. I think it was, it was a really, really cool moment. But I 100% think uh, I agree with Jackson. Uh, it would have been nice to get, like, a match payoff or a story because if I have any major criticism of Jay's run is that while, you know, the streak was impressive, the storytelling that, that, that they gave her was lackluster at best. You know, don't even get me started on the Nyla Rose stuff and all the other stuff that she had going on during her reign that, you know, ended up not necessarily being as compelling as you would think. But, uh, yeah, I, I still want to tip my cap to both ladies. And, uh, Chris, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to Chris's run. I think we already can see that the, uh, Chris's run should be pretty special. I'll be without a doubt. Like I said, a proper moment of pay-per-view and a popular night so far. 60-1, and one, and only the second TBS champion in history. And speaking of the championship, up next, four-way match for the AEW World Championship. This annoyed me a little bit, and I don't know about you, Gina, with this as well, but didn't MJF offer Sammy Guevara the main event of double or nothing? So so why was this co-main then? <laughs> <laughs> So why was this what? The co-main event. This wasn't the main event. 
So well, we lied to No, him. yeah, exactly. I was going to say, so not only did you lie to Sam, kind of lied to us as well, because you told us you were going to be main event when you weren't, you were the event yeah. before the main event. Well. You know, <sighs> you were like the opening act. I know. I well, love his answer after the show, though. By the way, <laughs> like you know, I don't want to bathe in Moxley's blood. I love that's basically what he said when they asked him about it after the show. Well, at least he bothered to answer. Do you know what I mean? So to be fair, there, I mean, right? That's, that's good enough. Uh, so MGF puts his time on the line versus Jungle Boy, Sammy Guevara, and Darby Allen. Guevara and wife Tay Mello announced via cue card the expecting their first child during the former entrance. And I don't want to be a Debbie Downer here, guys. You know, like I said, it, it, it's all great. I cannot, for life of me, not think about Sammy Guevara's kind of ex-wife, ex-fiance. Because, you know, <laughs> thinking... No, but do you know what I mean, though, man? Like, not only does yeah. he, like, ditch your back, you, he shoves in your fucking baby view. It is. So yeah, she's never seen my again, by the way, probably. Nah, nah, he's ruined that whole experience for her, you know? And, like, again, I have to agree with James. Every time they come out with some big announcement, we're engaged, we went to Paris, we got married, now we're having a baby. Every time I've actually thought, oh, God, like, to out it on AEW, like, instead of just doing it on your social media pages, it's just one more big fuck you to her. Uh, there's a part of me even though I don't want to rain on their parade they deserve to be happy so this isn't me coming down on them for it I think it's just poor taste I don't think it necessarily needs to be announced like I I do think that you know that we've seen this before you know baby announcements before but and I don't know if this makes me sound bad or not but I just don't think Sammy needed to announce it that way I think it could have just easily been on their Instagram pages. Again, I don't think it needed to be. Enough. We're in trouble with yeah. if Gene Snitsky shows up. We know this is a work, <laughs> all right. So we just have to take it there. And also, who had in their bingo card? Darby Jesus Allen. Christ. Darby Gene Allen. Snitsky. Darby Allen showing up as Elvis. <laughs> who had that down as things that we thought we were going to see? Uh, Darby oh, and Elvis actually did a Tony D oh. and dumped a body. So that's another thing, Monty. He... Ownership and dumping of bodies. That's <laughs> that's wrestling in 2023. <laughs> Sleeping with the fishes. Well, hey, you know. I mean, cool. up like a homeless person quite a lot. Like that's like what his vibe gives off. So to see him in that Elvis outfit was just so. Uh, unexpected like I really was baffled it really genuinely confused me I was like what's Darby doing in that when did he ever mention <laughs> Elvis like Sting and Elvis are his idols if he didn't mention <laughs> that you know <laughs> anyway. I don't know why but that would that would make me that's my face I know that's what I'm saying but I guess uh, Darby was all shook up as he made his way out um, it's, a, it's a way on down anyway we get on to the match and Sammy Guevara you could tell he was, I'll say full of spunk. It's probably not the right word because Tay definitely is. But we got an ode to Eddie Guerrero and a frog, frog splash for two. In a great moment, Alan used a death drop like Sting, his dad. Sammy used a co-breaker like his dad, Jericho. Jack with the kill switch like his dad. And MGF utilising the crossroads to score a dramatic near fall. MGF told Guerrero to think about his upcoming baby and lay down, referencing the business deal he had previously had. Guerrero implied the Lion Tabor and Alan executed the Scorpion Deathlock. Owes the calls to their respective mentors as well. 
MJF with a nod to Mikey Whip Rep by way of a storm cradle driver to Allen. Guevara delivered a Spanish fly from the top rope onto the floor while MJF and Perry. MJF used Chris Candido's blonde bombshell powerbomb from the top rope. Great work by, uh, I think it was Taz pointing that one out as well. Darby Allen nearly won the title with a headlock uh, takeover, a callback, of course, to his prior feud with MJF. MJF then slid the well title in the way of Allen's coffin drop. He pinned his former enemy with the same insulting headlock takeover he used at Full Gear 2021. Uh, I'll jump to you, Gina. This pay-per-view has been dog shit. Thank fuck for this. You know, this is the match we finally thought this is an AW pay-per-view now. And that finish was so clever as well. I mean, yeah, everyone woke up for this match. This match was lit from beginning to end. You can't even like necessarily point out that there was one better than the other. All four of them smashed it. And this is why they're known as like, you know, the four pillars, I guess you know but they all had their own spots where it just looked like they were about to win the win the title you did you did in a way kind of have a little thing surely what is mjf gonna lose here you know but of course of course we're gonna have this cunt do what he does best (laughs) and um and um in some way get get his title retained you know so i definitely was expecting some sort of uh, play around the finish, but I still didn't expect this, and I, it was just such a great match. It really, really was a good match, wasn't it? You know, everything about Monty, the amount of callbacks that we had, you know, it felt like we were watching WWE after a while. <laughs> yeah, man, it was a lot of, uh, lot of spots, a lot of, uh, you know, references to other rest- other wrestlers, like you mentioned, legends and even like you, uh, everyone, I, I really love, enjoyed that spot where they basically uh, took from all of their influence or all of their guys. So, again, it was a really, really well put together match. The storytelling was nice. Like you guys said, MJF, that finish, really, really clever. I couldn't do anything but laugh. I really enjoyed it, uh, how he pulled that off. Uh, and, again, there's one thing I'll say, like, uh, back to, like, the whole matches quantity type of thing. MJF has not had many matches since returning. Uh, from his big hiatus and becoming champion, but the old title, the title matches, the title defenses that he has had, for the most part, all of them have been really, really good and pretty memorable. And uh, this was a hundred percent my favorite match. I'll go ahead and say it. I even uh, we'll talk about the main event, but I, this is my match of the night. I really enjoyed this match. All four uh, pillars, like you said, represented themselves really, really well. You can tell that that is what this match is kind of wide. You can see the future of this company being primarily through these guys. Even if we can all be honest and say it definitely takes a lot more than just these four guys to keep a make AW what it is. But yeah, man, this match, uh, like you said, you can't really say enough about it. The right, the, the result was really, really good. The way we got there was good. And even through all those moments, uh, with Jungle Boy and, uh, you know, you're having Sammy even have his moments too. Uh, Darby representing himself well. MJF standing over and, like, winning the way he did with that with that smirk on his face and just being the, the cocky world champion that he is. It, that reinforces, like, why we are in his age or his era as AEW world champion. And, uh, man, yeah, like I said, it was, it was a really, really strong performance by everyone. 
and you can't really ask for more. Like like you said, the, and then I, and like I don't even think this match was good just by comparison to how lackluster the rest of the show was. Like this match, you could put it up against anything else that happened that weekend or just in wrestling, and you it, it holds up really really well. It's a really fun fall away for the title. Yeah, uh, well, that's what I was saying. It's really, really good. What's your, um, uh, Gina? What was your score out of five? I forgot to ask you. Um, I think I actually gave this a five. Yeah, Monty. What about you? Yeah, me too. Five star. Yeah, I mean, Jaxie, your score. I mean, this is this is a match of the year candidate. And again, Monty made a great point. Just because the rest was shit around us, this would still stand out on a quality pay per view, wouldn't it? Yeah, um, agreed. Uh, I think that, you know, there was a lot of pressure, I think, for those four men going into this match, but they delivered it 100%. Um, there was just like, so many spots. And like you said, there was just a moment where they were paying homage to all of their mentors. Um, and it was actually beautiful to see these four young upcoming wrestlers and just seeing what the history of wrestling has taught them, you know, so that it was a really sort of beautiful match in that sense as well just to see um what history has taught sort of the youth of the company um so i really enjoyed this match a lot uh it was you were just on your seat you genuinely did have uh you know second guesses as to whether or not mjf was going to retain but again just like monty i was laughing at the outcome seeing mjf just creep in with that belt is such a bitch move and it's such an mjf move like it worked incredibly well um so i was really impressed with this match and yeah this was my match of the night uh i gave it five stars yeah and again it's interesting because i talk about mjf he's i mean he's not reached his peak as a wrestler but his best performances are right now and again with the rest of the roster that we especially saw in this show can the same be said for them and again the aw originals are the homegrown talent maybe but is it time that they start maybe looking at the WWE guys go right until you get to that you know, this is the interesting thing, isn't it? I mean, it was an incredible uh, AEW title match. It's just a shame it wasn't the main event. Predictions, we all went MGF. So Monty's on eight. The rest are on seven as we go to the main event. Anarchy in the arena. The Elite versus Blackpool Combat Club. Violent Isles sang Blackpool Combat Club to the ring. And again, it's one of those things where you're watching it and they're playing. And then about five or ten minutes in, you go, oh, I remember the last now. Because the last match had this music playing, didn't it, for a little while? Even though we did get, um, like I said, the live band. And again, if you don't like deathmatch wrestling or weren't a big fan of the Attitude Era brawls, you probably, you know, if you liked them, you probably thought this was awesome. Again, a lot going on here. The Elite took the fight to Blackpool Combat Club, fighting up the stands, whilst the Cool's Wild thing was still being played. Uh, well, until the Young Bucks super kicked the lead singer. I did but. Uh, Claudio delivered a pile driver in the bed of a pickup truck. The Bucks delivered an exploded super kick to Moxley. Yeah, that's right, an exploding super kick. They then put a barefoot Matt Jackson in a pile of thumbtacks. Danielson applied a hill hook for good measure. Nick Jackson took a face first trip into the tax. Don Callis then gave view to a screwdriver and he used it on page. He attempted the same to Omega, but at a V trigger. And Takeshita appeared from out of nowhere. Wiped Omega out, and Weirdy Uta scores a win with the seat belt pin. Uh, Jaxi, I mean, what were your thoughts on this? Because only John Moxley could be blown up and be back with thumbtacks about three minutes later. 
<laughs> I mean, you you did wonder whether or not they were going to try and one up themselves. And Matt Jackson thought, well, I'm going to get involved with this now. And if John wants to be a crazy bastard, I'm going to be a, a crazy bastard too and attach a bomb to the bottom of my foot to actually kick off into his face. So, you know, we went there. <laughs> I mean, this, this, this match was all kinds of chaotic. Um, this is the kind of thing that you genuinely expect from a, an AEW arena match now you know we've gotten used to them with the stadium stampede match um, and anarchy at the arena before so like if we thought this was going to be any different uh you were completely wrong this was going to be exactly the same except for pretty much just even more heightened on a heightened level because you know it's john moxley and if there isn't blood then that's not a match you know so it was absolute carnage it was there were certain moments that i think really like sort of shone but i think ultimately the highlight for me was Wheeler Utah in this match. Um, I think he came across uh, uh, came across uh, so much more aggressive than what I've seen in him uh, before. And I really think um, him working with the Blackpool Combat Club is actually doing um, a, a wealth of good in sort of um, molding him into this potential sort of um, uh, you know top top candidate um, in a few years' time. Um, I think he he was featured a lot in in the show, and I think that is what they wanted to ultimately bring across. Um, so that is not just ultimately about the bigger names. So it was really nice to actually see that happen, especially with ha- having the aid of uh, Takeshka um, come into uh, the end of the match. There, we, we were all wondering. I think we actually brought it up on the other podcast we did. Uh, you know where he he is. You know he was so say taken out, and we've not seen him since. And that was like the excuse but we've not really known where things lie with him and where things stand but we should have seen this coming because it was originally Dom that actually brought him into the the elite in the first place you know so this was this was sort of a red herring being paid off I really enjoyed that as well because you know like as soon as it happened I was like I knew it. We should have yeah. seen this coming. I, I knew this was going to happen. It was Dom that brought him in, not Kenny, not the young bucks. It was Dom. So, um, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> we mentioned it, and I'm going, why? Why after we mentioned it? Uh, yeah. He, he, yeah. Um, I think ultimately, like, it, this this was a great match. Um, I think it was all kinds of chaotic, though. Uh, so there, there was a lot to take in. For this match, I'm going to give it a four and three quarters. I thought it was really good, um, and there were some great spots, but it was like really like messy. <laughs> well, this is the thing. Like, I don't know about you as well, Gina, but did you feel you were missing some of the action? They kept cutting it just after we'd seen someone put through a table or something had just happened. And go, oh, it is a barbed wire spot, and then we miss it with like Moxley and Omega, you know. Yeah, you have to kind of like catch it if they decide to give you a replay, which they don't give you a replay for a lot of them. So you're just getting told by the comedy team, oh, he just went through a table. And it's like, well, I wouldn't know Excalibur. I wouldn't know, would I? Because you didn't show it. So <laughs> um, I definitely agree. Again, for me, I love these anarchy matches. I love the chaos and I love everything everywhere. But I also love seeing it all. And sadly, because they were all going off in different spots. And it it doesn't matter if you go off in different spots, you can still make it work. But because there were, what, five of them on each team, four of them on each team, I can't remember. Is it four? Four, yeah. Bucks, yeah. Page and yeah, four yeah, on yeah, each yeah. team. Yeah. So, but the thing is, like, they all four of them went to complete different separate sections. You know, if you had, like, sort of 
two teams in one section and two teams in another, then maybe you can still keep the cameras going back and forth between both sets of chaos and still capturing all of that. But obviously they all just went off into their four little corners sometimes. So you're seeing what's happening in two of the corners, but the other two corners, you're just being you're just being yeah. told what's happening by the commentary team. So it was frustrating a little bit because you were just like, oh, I would have rather have seen that bit, what they just described rather than... But regardless, the match was chaos and it just kept me entertained from beginning to end. And again, it was much better than most of the matches on the card. So I was so entertained from beginning to end. And I really think that Wheeler Utah shined a lot in this match. I just think like he's doing well working with the other members in the Blackpool Combat Club. And I think it's going to really help him and elevate him in, in his wrestling career. So he shined a lot for me in this in this match. Yeah, we're at that. What would you score out of five? Um, would I give it a five or four and three quarters? I don't know. Um, I'll give it four and three quarters because I've given my five away and I'm only going to give one five for this show. <laughs> yeah, um, but again, as we mentioned in this matchup, and Monty, this is what surprised me more than anything, was how dominant the Blackpool Combat Club were. I know to catch the costume at the end, but this was all about how dominant the BCC were. And as Jaxie and Gina so rightly said as well, shining a light on Wheelie Utah as well. Yeah, yeah, I think that was the best element of this match was Takeshita and Wheeler Euner basically was the ones that they wanted to put on a pedestal here. You get Takeshita with that finish and you get basically the whole bulk of the match a whole, a lot of times just showing off Wheeler Euter, how good he is, how tough he is. And I think that's pretty much the best thing about this match. Uh, like you said, was it a great was it a great match? Did they have moments that popped me? Yes, but this is an absolute mess. In the best possible way, I guess is the way I could put it. You know what I'm saying? It was just, it was so much going on. Uh, AEW does this in these anarchy matches every time. That's the reason why some, you know, they sometimes they hit or miss for me because it's just they don't really give you a chance to take in what you just saw. Like you mentioned, you know, we see a guy's face get blew off, and then we just told to move on <laughs> to the next spot, like like nothing happened. Right, yeah, thumbtack. Let's get let's get right to it. And just like, what's up? And you know, I don't I don't get that. And I think, and I know the elite get criticized heavily. I think the Blackpool Combat Club dominating worked in the sense that the Blackpool Combat Club are more are brawlers. They have Moxley, who's like the great, who's just a death match savant at this point. So you know, um, you have Moxley. You have you know. I know we look at Claudio and Danielson and just think about how great they are technically, but they can get down and dirty also. And I think Willa Uta proved that he can also be more of a brawler. While the elite, a little bit more flashy, a lot more, you know, a lot more spots going into it. They're not really brawlers. Maybe Hangman is one. Hangman probably the only one I can see uh, fitting in the brawler category also, along with the style that he works with the elite. But uh, again, uh, I, I, was this absolutely a good time, a great main event to way to pick cap off things? Sure, but I wasn't necessarily a fan of the sometimes the pacing of it. And like you guys mentioned, the result at the end. Uh, I'm not gonna say I'm not. I don't like it because it's it, like I said, it really put two guys who are not really two young guys who are in this feud. They they are the they are the focus, and I really loved it. I love that when guys who are over. Like everyone else in these groups are focused on putting over the young guy. I mean, really, the only other person that shined other than Willa Uta during the actual match to me was like Matt Jackson. Like Matt Jackson was just everywhere doing a, whole, a lot of stuff 
in this match. So he he absolutely killed it. But like you said, Willa Yuta really put on a, a good performance and really made a name for himself. If you wasn't already into Willa Yuta, I think this match is a good match to watch to get into him even more. And uh, yeah, man, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't really have a problem with it. Like you said, Don Callis coming back to buy us. Uh, you know, I, I like I, it's one of those things you look at and it's like, damn, it was right there in front of us the whole time. But you just kind of you move on. It's like, all right, well, it was still a fun match and it was cool. So we're just I gave it four and a half overall. Like you said, I I, I don't think it, it touched that four way to me. But it was definitely if you're into those type of things, you're into death matches, you're into like you said those brawls. You probably gave it five stars and you really loved everything about it. But as a guy like me, who they they can be hit or miss sometimes. Sometimes they're a great time. Sometimes they're you know they can just be like, okay, slow down just a second, please. And that's probably the only thing I'll say about this man. Sometimes I'm just wishing that. Hold on, come on, give me a chance to catch up with what you're trying to show me. <laughs> well, it, it, yeah, it's something. Yeah. Let's go. I was gonna say, like, this, this is the thing, isn't it? There's so much going on here. They did try, you know. So I think for me, I'll give it a four and a quarter uh, to round us off. So predictions. Well, this is interesting because final predictions: James and Monty went for the elite. Jackson and Gina went for the Blackpool Combat Club. So final scores. <laughs> Is, yeah, I know what you're all going to say. A final scores, James on seven, Monty, Gina, Jaxi on eight. So all three get the point. <laughs> Take a bow. Take a bow, ladies. Take a bow. Take a bow. I'm totally taking I, that I took my Is that not three in a row for me, James? Is that not three in a row for me, James? Uh, yes, Jaxi. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like you to confirm that, James, because I'm pretty sure at the very beginning of this whole trio of pay-per-views, he was, there, was, there was definitely a lot of talk of, can she catch up? Oh, is she going to at least get one win in this? James, I got all three. I'm coming for you. Wait wait till the end of the year. I bet you I come out on top. This was a perfect streak for me, a hat-trick. Yes, well, <laughs> Jackson, well done. Like I said, you have got yes. three for Tip in my invisible hat. Um, that's <laughs> that's unbelievable stuff. Again, we can make all the jokes about fluke in NXT, but how you fluked all three <laughs> events, I will never know. <laughs> hey, listen, I did my predictions live, yeah? So y'all heard me making those those choices there and then. Uh, I sent you everything, James, so yeah, no, got no, to hold no. my hand. It was a joke. Trust me. Fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> uh, we will say as well, Monty, two events is not too bad. NXT, yes. And of course, yeah. AEW tonight. And congratulations, I'm very, Gina. I'm, I'm becoming consistent. I'm becoming yeah, consistent. You are, you are annoyingly consistent, I will say, Monty. Uh, and then Gina, <laughs> of course, getting her first victory. I said to you, you need to get at least one out of three to have, you know, at least some bit of credit, you know? So, again, <laughs> that is yeah. great. I'll take it. I'll take it. You know, at least I didn't end with zero. So, for me, I think that's a win, just yeah. on a personal goal myself. Exactly. Well, I mean, what sad cunt would end on a zero after three, <laughs> three events on a weekend, you know? Like, <laughs> I, I, right? Yeah. What, what sad bastard would that be? Yeah. So, <laughs> the AW League at this moment in time, Monty's on two. <laughs> James, Gina, and Jackson won. And weirdly enough, we've got an AEW pay-per-view coming up before the next WWE one, which, of course, is Forbidding Door. 
which is Monty's specialty. So he's got a chance to stretch a lead. You know, like if Monty doesn't win for yeah. the I'm trying to put pressure on other people. Um, obviously, <laughs> I need to do something. But also, also, Gina, I'll ask you a question. Does Jaxi deserve a bonus point for getting all three events right for double or nothing? It is, it is basically your choice. Oh, I want to say, to be honest, I want to say, yeah, because that's kind of like a hat trick and that's, that's achieving something in itself. Fair play, fair play. So no so, way. If I was her, it would have been no <laughs> way. No, me neither. There was so no way. way. Fair I'm play. keeping you right there with me. <laughs> we're, we're not like the Usos that will make you question their loyalty to one another. Uh, we're loyal. Well, no, yeah. yeah, it's definitely then. the twin, and I'm another child, so I don't care. No, fair enough. Fair oh, don't enough. worry, Monty. I would have given it to you too. I promise you that. Oh, okay. Never mind. All I'm right. not even oh, going to bother I, asking I, I, I that question. Down. I'm not even. <laughs> <laughs> we all know. <laughs> Do you mean like, James, you don't need it? No. You don't need it. No, so no, bonus. You don't need it. You're already up there, so yeah. you don't need the extra points. <laughs> so bonus league. Thanks, guys. Uh, Gina on 11, Jaxie now on 12, Monty and I on 14. So only two points behind with a cause for coming up. As for the overall show, I think it'd be fair to say all our matches was for uh, the AEW World title. So, Jaxie, I'll start with you, our triple crown winner, as it was. Who, what is your, who's your MVP and what was your score out of 10? Um, okay, so I thought a lot about this one and I'm not going to give MVP to any one of the guys from the match of the night win. They got match of the night for me. Um, so I just thought, you know, overall they are actually just all together an MVP. But my MVP actually goes out to Wheeler Utah. I think he did extremely well and, and really stood out um, com- compared to the big names that were also in that match. Um, I think it was showcase- It was a match that showcased him well. I also have given a special MVP shout out to Chris Statlander for making her return. Yeah, and your score out of 10? Uh, this is a hard one because, to be honest, if the... If it wasn't for the final two matches, I feel like the overall the pick for you would have been a bit of a dud. Um, so it's really hard. I'm. I think the best that I can really do is give it a seven, and that's being really kind because, I mean, yeah, the final two matches were sort of the only ones that really um, felt pay per view worthy, really. Or, or do you know what, Antia and Jade's match as well um, felt pay per view worthy. So yeah, I'll give it a seven. You're at seven. Gina, what about you? I am pretty much of the same as my sister. My match of the night was, is going to be the Pillars match, and it's hard to pick one out of those four Pillars to give MVP to. So I've actually given mine to Wheeler Utah as well, but I also wanted to give a special shout-out to Taya Valkyrie for changing my mind about her. And I'm now intrigued to see her and what she's going to do next. So um, fair play to those two. And my overall, I think I'm going to go with seven as well. If it, I think like the main matches for me was the the TBS Championship, the the all out brawl match at the end, and the pillar match. So if it wasn't for those three, it wouldn't have felt like a pay per view. I think seven is a really nice number to give it. Yeah, um, Monty, what about you? Yeah, it's it's really hard to disagree with Wheeler, but I'm gonna go with uh, I'm going with Max. 
just for the finish alone. Like he's again, I chuckled. I really laughed so hard at that. It's just like, damn, that's a perfect way for him to win, <laughs> to be who he is. And I have to give a uh, uh, shout out to Chris and Jay because again, like I said, impressive what Jay was able to do. Even if you didn't really like the matches or you didn't like her run, you have to tip your cap for somebody coming in there as new as she was, and then the the finished product by the end of her run did not look anything like she looked at the very beginning. So I have to give I have yeah. to give her some love. Uh, but uh, like you said, overall, I thought I was going to be the most. I thought I was going to be one of the most harsh on this show, but starting at seven. Uh, feels kind of harsh. Uh, I really want to give it maybe a little bit more just for the four way, but I, you know, it's a fair statement. Like you guys said, it's just, it just it really wasn't much anything. Like it, if I'm coming back for anything on this match, it's probably to watch Jade, uh, you know, lose her belt because that's a historic moment. We're gonna remember that. We'll never forget, you know, how Jade lost there. It's her first month, first and the TBS title, a big big moment in that belt's history, and then. Those two matches at the end, it's just really nothing really else was memorable enough to make you be like, you know what, let's let's watch Double or Nothing, you know, 2023 and, you know, let's get into it, you know, because of how great the card was. And I think if you think about some of the other shows that they've had, uh, even the, like you said, even the fact that the, the arena wasn't really filled up, like Vegas was a hot spot for AEW when they started. It just felt like it, it had that same energy that Chicago kind of gives them. At times, or Orlando, I mean, or yeah, I think it's Jacksonville or Jacksonville. You know what I mean? But they didn't really get that this time, and I don't know if, they, like you said, if they got the thing to do with the booking or whatever it has anything to do. But it definitely took away from the overall quality of the show. It was the worst show of that weekend. We had three shows. I enjoy NXT the most, and I I enjoy Night of Champions more than this. So I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave it at seven. I'm gonna leave it at seven. But kudos to everyone who did shine, and everyone worked hard. I know they did, but you know, sometimes it just don't go the way you would expect it to go, even when you're looking at it on paper. But I'm going to stay with seven. Now, I don't know, because, you know, I usually, like, kind of rate them pretty high my standards. Like, I'm right. thinking I might drop my score here, because I, I really <laughs> dislike this pay-per-view, but obviously not as much as you guys. So I am going to drop it a little bit. And I am, I think it's one of my first ever sevens I've given out, actually, because I'm usually a lot nicer. So I'm going to give this a seven, right. seven and three quarters. Because, like you said, the world title match uh, was fantastic. The main event was passable. The rest of the card was forgettable. There is no excuse for empty seats visible from hard camera, even if Tony needs to get seat fillers. You know, just sort it out. Uh, overall package, yeah. if this was your first... AEW show, I don't think you're going right. back for more, you know, and that's the problem. Uh, so overall, a little bit disappointing. We're going to leave Dynamite and Rampage notes and all this lot until our Forbidden Door show, which is in the, just two weeks' time. So we will be back and doing that. Uh, and I think that is it. I said we were going to get this show under two hours, and goddamn, we're going to do it. So that is it. Across all social media, Twitter at Dumbledore Podcast, I'm at Dumbledore JR. You can find the entire Dumbledore team on the Twitter banner. Monty, where can people find, listen, and follow you? You can go to at my Monty Pod on Twitter. You can click the link in the bio, check out the old pods and all of that. Click the link in my, uh, uh, click the link on, oh, well, go to YouTube, or you can click the link in my bio and press the YouTube button and subscribe to Mind of Monty on YouTube for exclusive clips from the podcast and 
think pieces, whatever I want to get on there and rant about from time to time. That's uh, usually what I use it for at this point. Um, like I said, I still am working on a best of the super junior uh, podcast. It's going to be delayed. So I'm probably just going to lump dominion and everything all together on, on, on one, one big old show and then preview for Bidden door. We'll see though. Cause I have a tough deadline and I have, a new a baby, a 18, 19 day year old baby to worry about. And I think she's a little bit more important. So all you people who messaging me wondering what's going on, try to take care of a kid one day and you'll see just how fast the days go by. <laughs> anyway, uh yeah, please. Thank you for the support though. <laughs> right, uh Jackson, what about you? Apart from Jimmy Evans, Jimmy, stop it. Stop it. Relax, guy. Relax, please. Relax. Please. <laughs> um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jaxie Scarlet. <laughs> yeah. Gina? You can find me at Purple Pain. The WNR also on Facebook and Instagram. Of course, all Google platforms. Send us an email at WNR podcast at gmail.com. YouTube and podcast. We've got latest clips podcast got the same time on youtube as do soundcloud on your phone also spotify and itunes where you can download subscribe break and review there so that is it our next episode like i said with the team will be in two weeks time uh with the forbidden door show and basically what monty said we're just going to cram everything we can for new japan into it next episode i've got impact catch up and i've got about five months of stuff so that's going to be fun please I- i'm going to love it so please join me it's going to be great <laughs> Uh, until, until then, I have been James Rowland. So, so uh, how behind are you? Like, is Josh Alexander still the No, 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 no. no. Okay, okay. Uh, fuck it. Do you know what? He actually might be. I'm gonna... <laughs> Do you know what? God, oh you are no, behind. I, I, I think Kurt Angle's still the Impact Champion. Where I'm, <laughs> I'm with you. Oh, God. God. Uh, We're back almost 17 years. Look, guys, they've always told me how much they love the Impact shows. Everybody knows how much they do. Um, So that would be me. I was joined by this show by the fantastic Jaxie Scarlett. Again, congratulations getting three out of three. Yeah, it's been fun. Um, I I definitely wasn't expecting a hat trick, but I am gloating for sure. I think this is a big win for myself. Um, And, you know, thank you very much, uh, everyone, for listening in and supporting me. We got there. Um, Let's hope I can continue this on to Forbidden Door and maybe, just maybe, might just kind of reach up towards the top, might topple past a Monty there. We'll see. Well, like it's Man City weren't the only uh, person or team to do the treble. To do the double was Monty, of course, the mind of Monty. And again, I appreciate you have time for this, considering you are recently moved, recently married, and recently become a father. Yeah. So I do really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of stuff, right? Man, I've been busy this month. Uh, but yeah, uh, no problem. Always fun. And please, Tony, please take your time and book Forbidden Door. Don't 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 make me have to review something I don't care about involving my people from New Japan. Let's let's do this right, please. Uh, and of course, the genius of Gina. Uh, I'm glad that we've enjoyed the show as much as your fire alarm did. <laughs> do you know it's gone off another two times during this whole show as well? Um, and I've just been running. I've been running outside to go switch it off. <laughs> 
I'm really and I just text taxi on the fly, <laughs> saying, "Please cover me if James is talking. My fire alarm's going again." <laughs> I really <laughs> hope this doesn't continue on into the night. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I hope not. I hope not. But yeah, I'm. I'm. I think I need to go and check on flat seventeen because their alarm it keeps going off. Whatever happened at So thank 17. you for the show. It was a fiery show. Let's call it that. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad everybody won but me. So that is it then. Thanks for oh, listening. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, let me wrap up. Let me wrap up. Thanks, for, have, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, yeah, have a great time. Be lucky, everybody. Um, bye. <laughs>